Hello and welcome to the Seeking Health Podcast. I'm Josiah. And I'm Jessica. We were missionaries for seven years. Until we stepped back in 2019 to seek health and re-examine our beliefs. Right now, I'm a Christian, but not an evangelical. And I'm an agnostic and also very much not an evangelical. And we are deconstructing. And reconstructing. Together. together. Listen to some of our key episodes such as Deconstructing Together, Domestic Abuse, I Am a Survivor, The Cult of ATI Part 1 and 2, and Dehumanized by Purity Culture. Join us on our journey as we seek health together. together. <laughs> I don't think we have that one planned. <laughs> so, um, we've had this ongoing conversation yeah. for a while between us and we thought we would record part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to have a disclaimer that we don't have it figured out, obviously. So, because as you all know, listening to our podcast, we're from an evangelical background yeah. and it was a fairly conservative, secluded one in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And so, this issue is not one that was ever explored or talked about because it was all seen as sinful and evil. Mm-hmm. And this, you can probably guess by now what it might be. <laughs> Although there are many issues like that. There are many issues like that. Yeah. So, LGBTQIA+. Mm-hmm. There you go. And I did want to mention, too, um, like kind of put a trigger warning out there. And if this touches you personally, maybe this isn't the best podcast to listen to. Or maybe it is. But... We'll try and be careful, we'll, we'll try and but be we careful. are still very much on the learning journey, and I know there's many others that are as well, so we just want to invite you to come along in yeah. this learning journey, and I'm sure there'll be more podcasts done on this as we figure it out more. Yeah. Um, but this, this is, is one that I want to, I want to kind of share the journey because it's so, like... Important? It's so important, and it's big and complicated. And I don't want to kind of just study it and then preach a sermon because it like it doesn't, you know, like that's the evangelical way. It's like, mm-hmm. here's our process. And like, yeah. And it's a community that's in evolving really mm-hmm. with time and with society as it changes. So I think no matter what we talk about, it's something, it's not something you can just study and preach about. It's something that you have to cont- constantly be willing to learn and constantly mm-hmm. be willing to explore and um, be taught, be educated, um, because it's a changing one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, what, LGBTQIA plus. Yes. Do you think that? Well, first of all, is sex the same as gender? No. What's the difference? well even that breaks into different categories i mean Mm -hmm. there's there's like sexual attraction but there's also romantic attraction and there's also Mm. um and those are not one and the same necessarily that is is interesting i think you told me that before but it feels like that's the first time i heard that yeah kind of put that in my mind that romantic and sexual attraction could be different yes and then gender and sex, like you mean sex like the act, like intercourse? or I meant biological sex. Ah, uh, right. Well, I mean, we just passed the Awareness Day for trans mm-hmm. people, and I think, like... Who out there knew there was a day for awareness for trans? Me this, me this year. <laughs> me, me this year, too. <laughs> um, 
And I think what's great about that is just to show support to those in that community. Mm -hmm. But um, so you can have the the body of a certain sex, mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that um, that is how you identify, and that would be gender, right? Mm. Yes, I believe so. So I'm reading the book uh, "The End of Gender" by I forget her name. Um, and she's a sex researcher that, um, you know, explains these topics very well. And she said, you know, there is sex and then there's gender. <clears throat> and so sex, because there are people that have both genitalia and there's all sorts of, even, you know, the genitalia doesn't always look the same. Uh, there's all sorts of differences, even physically speaking. Um, but she said what is fairly consistent is that one sex, I think I used the wrong word, gender and no gender. Okay. One sex creates eggs. One sex creates sperm. So there is that difference. Um, and biologically, she said there, I don't think that science has found a human being that produces both. So they might have both like organs, uh, that used to be called a hermaphrodite and now it's called something else. I'm not super, I'm, I'm trying. Um, but, okay, biologically, there's two sexes, but people do identify differently. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's where all the co the complexity comes in. Yeah. And I think that even, you know, the conservative side, it is helpful to make that distinction between sex and gender, because then you just know what you're talking about. Sex right. is what your body is. Gender is what you identify as. Right. So Christians would say no sex and gender are the same thing. Or should be the same thing but clearly for some people it isn't the same thing some people are attracted you know in other ways um do you have more to add to that i don't know i feel like i talked a lot it's okay um i read a book a while back um called this one looks like a boy and it was following it was an autobiography and this man was telling his story from fairly young, like just a few years old. He remembers being a she at the time and just really the the internal dilemma and struggles that he went through as a she was really, really, really rough. Um, this man is in his 50s now, I think writing the book and he just goes through his life and trying to make it work and and even going to clinics you know as further on as an adult like for cross-gender just to to talk and like he did all the testing and he scored really high in in like being transgender and all this and he and he didn't choose to do um transition as a man at the time it was years later that he chose to do that but it was really helpful just to hear someone else, like to hear someone's story starting so young in their struggles with fitting in life as the, in for, for him as a girl, fitting into the girl um, circles and eventually living uh, as lesbian and eventually leading to transitioning. And this is someone with a very high end job, like it, it, it it was just really helpful to mm. to read that and be like this isn't just something that you wake up <laughs> overnight and you're like this mm -hmm. isn't who I am this is a lifelong 
internal struggle that is really hard. Um, so it's helpful to read stories like that. Yeah. Because there are, there are stereotypes that I think are reinforced by evangelicals that it's a mental problem. It's only mm-hmm. people that, you know, were molested in their childhood or had some terrible experience. And that's why, um, you know, it's people with problems with that. Yeah. I think we're pretty good in ventricle circle with putting everything black and white. Yeah. So you're male or you're female. That's it. Those mm-hmm. are the two boxes. And it's determined at your birth which one you fit in. And you can never leave that. Mm-hmm. And this is how you act. And if you are attracted otherwise, like not cisgendered, like it, yeah. not, then, um, then it must be a troubled background or it must be sexually abused. There's you. something wrong with you that's making yeah. you like that. And you also have to suck it up and remain celibate and, and mm-hmm. like for the rest of your life. And it, it's just very black and white mm-hmm. and very harsh and very uncaring. It yeah. doesn't take into consideration the deep struggle that others may have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not safe to come out in the religious bubble. It's not, community. No. Yeah. except in very, very rare churches, but Usually it's not safe. That's a side note that I want to talk about uh, for another time, but I had posted on Twitter about how Christian counseling tends to be people often that don't have any training. And then they take a generality. Oh, men tend to be this way. Women tend to be that way. And maybe they even like find a few studies that say, well, 70% of men, this 60% that. And then they say, this is how it has to be. Mm-hmm. And they create these boxes and then they create this black and white, which doesn't work for 40% of the people. Yeah. And that, that creates problems all over the place because yeah. people are not, like by definition, it doesn't fit everybody. Yeah. And this is one of these, I mean, like cisgendered people are the majority. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it fits everybody. No. Clearly it doesn't fit everybody. Yeah. And that's, yeah, Christian counseling is something that I feel like it causes a lot, a lot of harm. Counseling and also, you know, the pastor standing up front and he's giving marriage advice and family advice and, and all this stuff. And it's like, where is your actual training in psychology to know some of these things? Yeah. And that, I've got a few things here that, um, I don't know if, what you want to share, but like for me, I'm kind of like shifting. And this is a pretty big deal. Like... A couple times I've kind of like decided something and, and stepped back. But like when I decided, no, I I believe 100% on this issue, I really felt things shifting in my mind. You know, it's like that's foundational, which is it's odd that it's foundational because it doesn't affect me. Um, but it's what I've been told is foundational. Um, one thing that's that feels pretty true is that I can't trust evangelicals to do science. Well, no, <laughs> like, and it, look at COVID. Look I mean, at COVID. I mean, already these people, already like the evangelical mainstream was, you know, pushing six day creationism. And I know enough about science to know, like, it's just bullshit. It's just bullshit. Um, and I've tried to be polite about it for a long time, but it's just like, ah. and, and then you look at COVID and you look at all this stuff. It's like, you can't trust these people to say, here's my book on gender and I've done my research. Bullshit, you've done your research. Yeah. 
And, you know, along with that, I've been the guy behind a pulpit. I've been the guy researching. I've been the guy that people trust. And I'm just going to tell you, having a master's in theology does not prepare you to do gender studies. No. Like, so that to me, I just feel like is significant. It's like, I can't trust these people to do science. So I have to go outside of the bubble to to find out. Um, well, I feel like, you know, we say like God created everyone and God made everyone wonderful, like unique creation and... And it says that in the Bible, and men's fearfully and wonderfully made, and all these. But then we write off a huge portion of population because they don't fit our stereotype. Mm-hmm. They don't fit our gender boxes, or they don't fit our attraction boxes, or they don't fit this or that. And then, and then we we can be like, well, we can love the sin- sinner but hate the sin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, <laughs> I read a good one recently about that. It's like, well, if you can love the sinner and hate the sin. I can hate the theology and like the, <laughs> I can hate the beliefs and love the person behind the belief, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's just, it's not boxes. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not boxes. A few scriptures were taken and made a whole theological base on it. Um, and then you bring in like, well, you can't have uh, transgender people in bathrooms. You can't have all this. Like, well, then just make the bathrooms gender neutral. Like, yeah. it, there's the solutions to that that don't make it problematic. Like, there's... Uh, we're just discrediting people's lives. And mm-hmm. no one is the same. I mean, we know from science, like, no one's the same. I mean, look at our fingerprints. It's so, it's used in, <laughs> in police and um, for a reason. No one is the same. So why do we expect attraction, sexual attraction, romantic attraction, sex, uh, gender, all to be the exact same for mm-hmm. everybody? I mean, why are we continuing to add letters to this LBGTQ alphabet mm-hmm. <laughs> that they would mock and say it's just an alphabet? It's like, yeah, but that's because anyone who doesn't fit this little box then it's outside that box. Mm-hmm. And then they have to actually come out. No one should have to come out with who they are. Mm-hmm. They should just be who they are. Yeah. But because we don't accept anyone outside, quote unquote, normal, mm-hmm. then people have to come out with their sexuality or gender attraction. And that's just not okay. That's not loving. I don't think that's, no matter what you believe about God and Jesus, I don't think that's what he would do. Mm-hmm. Um is this worshiping the Bible more than God? You know, like it, mm-hmm. it, I think that's a thing. Like, it, yeah, like I think you can <laughs> worship the Bible mm-hmm. more than God. Like the Bible is still written by men. Like it, mm-hmm. uh, like <laughs> God yeah. is bigger than a book. Jesus is the word of God. This, the, the Bible is not the word of God. Jesus is the word of God. There's nowhere in the Bible that the Bible is called the word of God. And yet we base everything on that. And I think like that's another interesting topic that I've I've realized this year is that you can't use the Bible as a rule book. You can't. But what's the point of it then? Well, (laughs) it leads us to Jesus. Agnostic verses. (laughs) (laughs) No, but literally it leads us to Jesus. Paul said that the law is like a schoolmaster to lead us to Jesus. And when we get to Jesus, then we learn, oh, for one thing, he's got a whole lot of things to say about how bad religion is. 
and I've been realizing more and more when I like deconstruct deconstruct I'm like it's almost like and then I come up with something for Twitter and I'm like that sounds like what Jesus said <laughs> it's like Jesus was there first I just didn't see it you know how much but you can't use the Bible as a rule book because there's things that were specific to a time and place and if you try and do everything it just it ends up gobbledygook you end up with contradictions <laughs> and so I think this is another issue where you just can't you can't look at these verses pick them out and say well here's the rule it it doesn't work because they're not talking about the same thing and you can and people do that and come up with completely different for sure interpretation different rules different mm-hmm. remas from god different <laughs> <laughs> words from god different yes um so you can't do that yeah so why would we shun people just because they are well we're not gay. shunning them we love the sinner but hate the sin hate the theology <laughs> try to love the person <laughs> Yeah, the other thing that I've been realizing, uh, and this is going to sound extremely obvious, but it's kind of a shift in my mind that your life is your choices. Yeah. You know, we're getting to the age already where you you say, we introduce ourselves by telling you what we've done. You know, like we were missionaries, we, (laughs) you know, lived in Africa, we did these things, we have these degrees, have these kids. These are our choices, Mm -hmm. right? And at some point, our life will be nothing but the choices that we made. And that's who we were. That's who we decided to be. Um, And our choices are based, hopefully, on our desires. Sometimes they're based on what other people impose on us, but hopefully we made choices based on what we wanted to do. And what we chose to do, our desires, should be based on what how we're like what we're wired to do. What what is it that makes me passionate? What is it that like fits, you know, like and that's a, a hard thing for teenagers and young adults and midlife adults. <laughs> like, <laughs> who are you? You know, like, what do you want to do with your life? And that's like, we spend a lot, a lot of energy trying to figure that out because that's what it's all about, right? And some people simply don't desire heterosexual sex. When it comes down to it, yeah. what's the deepest part of, you know, when, when it really comes down to it, it's like, I don't want that. Yeah. You know, that's the fundamental answer and like when i worked my way through that i realized like well sex comes sex is pretty central like what are you going to do when you grow up well i'm going to get married have kids blah blah blah. it's always kind of in the back of your mind and if it's like but i don't want to have sex with you know a heterosexual relationship that's fundamental and denying that yeah you can't just block that and push through it that doesn't work like that Mm -hmm. like sexual intimacy is it's intimate Mm -hmm. it's your vulnerable self like if you don't desire it if you can't stand the thought of it you can't put yourself through that that would be abuse you'd be abusing yourself yeah like it it would not be right (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it does seem like there are bisexual people who could be attracted to either and maybe some bisexual people can push through but there's some people that have said and and their testimony and and, you know it it seems as though they're being honest this isn't my experience but they say i don't desire it you know maybe the majority of people do but i i desire sex with a man or with a woman or whatever the case may be so to say that that is always a sin and to say well i accept this i accept you but not 
this sin that you're, you know, like it's rejecting a huge part of the person. Yeah. Yeah, it is. That's pretty hard to do. I do feel like this is our lives. Mm -hmm. Why are we spending it telling other people how to live their lives? Like if you don't, if you don't agree with being gay, then, and you're a man, then don't go marry a man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're a woman and you don't agree, agree with lesbianism, then don't go be a lesbian. Like, mm-hmm. you have a choice. Yeah. You have a choice in who you marry. So why can't you have a choice of who who you marry, like, yeah. in terms of gender? Like, it. Like, there's a part of me that almost feels dirty even having this conversation. It's not as though I'm giving anybody permission, you know? It's like, this is just me trying to work out my process, but, like... It's not for you to give them permission. It's not for me to be like, guess what, guys? I finally decided that you can marry a guy, you know? Like, but that's how evangelicals think and how they train people to think. Is like, we're going to figure out the truth, and then we're going to preach it to you, and we're going to tell you you're going to hell if you don't agree with us, you know? even refuse to bake your cake (laughs) as if that will stop a marriage (laughs) oh shoot we'll have to go next door and we'll sue you to get money for the (laughs) so you came across a term today that you were telling me a little bit about earlier faithfully gay yeah i've been trying to listen to people outside of my you know comfort zone comfort zone (laughs) realizing I mostly listen to white guys, usually from the States. And so I've been following women and I've been following people of color and I've been following LGBTQ people, especially if they have something in there about ex-evangelical or whatever on Twitter. And yeah, I've, a lot of the people that I'm following have in their Twitter, Twitter handle or their description, faithfully gay. And um, yeah, it's just an interesting concept. And I can see why they'd want to push that forward because... What evangelicals told me is, here's the statistics, and we had Brian Pengelly on uh, a few, quite a few <laughs> podcasts ago already, uh, and he talked a little bit about these statistics and said, you don't necessarily want to trust evangelicals and their statistics. <laughs> Science um, again. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the statistics we've been told is that, well, lesbians go through X number of partners in a year and, and gay men go through ridiculous amounts of partners in a year and so basically um there almost are no faithful gay people um and it kind of underlines and and reinforces the stereotype that if you're gay then you're just sleeping around like crazy but it does seem as though but there are people that are faithfully gay yeah and that choose one partner for sure yeah and i mean some of the people that we know that are gay are really great people. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which They're is like to each other. so stupid that I like that. You have to sound surprised when you say that, but it's pushing against the stereotype. Yeah. Right. And it's just interesting. I mean, I want to have conversations with these people, but at the same time, it's like, it's not their role to educate me. I'm trying yeah. to educate myself, which is part of what this conversation is about and the research that I'm doing. Um, but somehow they've gotten to the process where, because some of them are outspokenly Christian and they're promoting Christianity, but they're faithfully gay, you know, and they've got in their mind to a place where they're comfortable with their faith, they're comfortable with their sexuality, and they found a lifelong partner. Yeah. And that seems like something to celebrate. 
Well, yeah. So I'd love to have a conversation. Like, I bet that was a difficult journey to get to that place. Yeah. Especially when you're coming from an evangelical, like, especially a conservative evangelical background. Um, it ruins a lot of relationships. I mean, mm-hmm. some some that I've chat with, like, they, they're the one, her mom will come visit, but refuses to meet the other person, the partner. Like, well, you can't have relationships. You refuse to meet the partner just because it's a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> married to a woman. Like it, it's just, it's very judgmental. Mm-hmm. It's not accepting of people. Yeah. And something else that I've been thinking is that, um, and this might get a little bit, oh, never mind. Um, like we're wired biologically to have sexual attractions and, but the, the sexual attraction is limited by a sense of coldness or disgust. Like there's some people that you're sexually attracted to, but you're not sexually attracted to everybody. You're not sexually attracted to all ages. You're not even attracted to all body types, which is probably good because otherwise you would go crazy, right? And and so somehow wired into us is that you're going to be sexually attracted normally to your own age group and to, you know, a woman, if you're a man or whatever. Um, but we have this disgust that kind of counters that at some point. And so a, a person that you're not wired to be attracted to you feel like oh that would be kind of gross right but the, the what i'm trying to get around to is that for some people that wiring is reversed and why that's significant is that we look at a situation we say well i could never i we even i even said this earlier today as we were discussing this i said oh i couldn't imagine doing that and i mean it, that's what we tend to do is we put ourselves in that situation and we think if I was doing that, that would be gross. Mm-hmm. So therefore no one else can do and that. And <laughs> then that grossness, then we think that's a sin and that would be gross and that would be horrible. And I don't even want to meet that person because that just disgusts me. But it's like for that person, that's their orientation. That's not, gross, not gross for them. Yeah. I mean, for kids, normal heterosexual sex is gross. Yeah. Because they haven't hit puberty (laughs) yet, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have that sexual orientation, it is gross. But that doesn't mean that it's gross for them. And that doesn't mean that it is gross in an absolute sense. It just means that it's gross for you. Yeah. And that's where, you know, so often evangelicals, we don't step out of our own worldview. We don't step out of our own skin to say, what does the world look like as a black woman? What does the world look like as an immigrant? What does, the world, what does our world look like as a Muslim? We don't do that. We just approach it as, well, you know, this is my perspective. You know, this is our, our country. This is, and anyways, it's just helpful to think how, how it must be for somebody else. Yeah. I I asked on a LGBTQ group, like, how how do you figure out what your orientation is? And they say, well, it's just a lot of introspection. Mm-hmm. And it's not, why is it introspection and not looking around and asking other people? No one can tell you because it's introspection because you 
it's who you are deep down attracted to. Mm -hmm. It's so deep. It's so personal that (laughs) it's introspection. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not, you can't just tell someone, don't do that. Don't do this. Like, well, you can, but it's not what you should. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's, it's so deep and personal. Um, I did want to bring up that it's not just gay and lesbian. Yes. Um, Like I mentioned earlier with like romantic also and sexual attraction or romantic attraction. Like you can be romantically attracted in terms of wanting to be emotional close to men and women, but only sexually um uh, <laughs> forgot the word. Attract. Attracted. Attracted. <laughs> Sexually attracted to only one of those genders. Yes. But you want to deeply connect with both genders. Mm-hmm. So it, it's very helpful to start looking into it and just realize all these distinctions. Yeah. And is it murky the waters? No, not really. Actually, I find it super helpful for myself to be like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, that fits. Um, and it's not bad. It just helps to know ourselves more um and then part of the letters to lgbtqia there's the a for asexual and Mm -hmm. i thought that's a really interesting one that i want to bring out because we often talk about gay and lesbian Mm -hmm. but asexual is someone i mean all these letters are also a spectrum yeah um and asexual spectrum is where you are not sexually attracted to people men or women mm-hmm. and you're not sexually attracted or you're not sexual focused like it, it you don't think about it you don't it's just not something you want and from one end of the asexual spectrum is like you don't you're extremely grossed out at the thought like you cannot even go there in any way another part of the spectrum well you might enjoy it once in a while but like it's still not a big part of who you are and I thought that's an interesting one to bring up because I think, again, like we fo- so much in the evangelical circle is <laughs> focused on sexuality. Yeah, it is. Like a lot. It's kind of a religion of sex, like <laughs> in a way. But mm-hmm. like, it's true. Like there's such a focus on purity culture yeah. and wait for marriage and all these things. And then once you're married, then you'll want it all the time. Yeah. And and if you're a woman, well, even if you don't want it, satisfy your husband's needs because... It's such a strong teaching that men are just ravenous sexual wolves that before marriage, we need to like hold them back, hold them back. And then once they get married, it's like, all right, wife, you're going to satisfy all that. But sometimes like I know from some groups I've been in that um, it's the woman who's not satisfied and Mm -hmm. the husband doesn't step up. Mm -hmm. It's only one way that Mm -hmm. it's taught. Yeah you're taught that the woman needs to step up and satisfy the husband or he'll go elsewhere. But if the man doesn't want it and the woman has a higher sex drive, which is like a fairly big percentage, actually, mm-hmm. you never hear that talk. <laughs> and then asexual people who don't even want it. So how horrible would it be to be stuck in a marriage where someone is disgusted by sex? Mm-hmm. And they thought once they're married... You know, you sign that piece of paper, suddenly the sex drive would kick in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just not how it works. Yeah. It is deeply personal and mm-hmm. inward. And it doesn't fit anywhere in that evangelical bubble. No. Nowhere is their asexuality talked mm-hmm. about. Um, and that's really unfortunate because, like, 
it makes that person very stuck. Yeah. And feeling like there's something wrong with them. It's like, well, let's go to Christian therapy and figure out where you were abused or what's wrong with you in some way. Well, I have a a friend whose husband, like, wants her to have a much higher sex drive because Mm -hmm. he has to have her have a higher sex drive. And he's making her do reading and he's making her take a bunch of supplements and he made her wean the baby in case it was her breastfeeding that kept her libido down. And, like, it... That's something to be fixed instead of just how does this work in our marriage? Mm-hmm. Every relationship doesn't have to have the exact same mm-hmm. scenario and criteria. Mm-hmm. Um, life is a spectrum. Different yeah. personalities, different lifestyles, different healths, different orientations. Mm-hmm. It's just part of that. <laughs> yeah. And there's asexual and there's some people talk about gray sexual where you can desire it a little bit less. I just wanted to draw it and resonate with what you said about like it's a very personal thing and you know we've gone through a journey of just deep soul searching for the last couple of years trying to figure out what we're doing with our lives and it's been so so rewarding to step back from missions and to seek health and to step back from toxic relationships and but it all comes down to that introspection which mm-hmm. is hard work but it's like but that's that's what it's all about you know if if you know who you are then you know what sort of choices to make with your life with your one life yeah um and it just yeah i just want to validate that that people need to make do that soul searching and i think like it can be really hard to try to tell other people how you came to that conclusion Mm -hmm. it can be pretty hard like like with us leaving missions and stuff like it was really hard to know what to tell people because it was so personal Mm -hmm. it felt like I used to say back then, like, it it felt sacred. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to try and explain to people because they wouldn't get it. Yeah. And I think it can be like that with sexuality. Mm -hmm. And we don't, like, people on the LGBTQ, like, they don't owe an explanation of why Mm -hmm. they're this letter, Mm -hmm. like, this term. They don't owe people an explanation. Just like you don't owe people an explanation for being straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, why are you straight? Why are you attracted to females, Josiah? Like, seriously, <laughs> you got to explain it to me and you got to justify it. And it has to fit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's just, if we don't expect it one way, don't expect it the other way. Yeah. You know, like it. And then this just occurs to me now, but it, it makes sense to say, if somebody tells you this is my gender, don't dismiss that. No. Because, like, after we went through that whole process, if somebody had come to us and said, no, you should be lifelong missionaries. It's like, well, fuck you. Like, you don't know any of our you story. You don't know anything about our story. You don't yeah. know all the, all the soul searching, all the weeping, all the... You don't know what we went through to come to this decision. Yeah. And I can definitely see how somebody that, that comes out, for them to come out, that's probably going to be a big process. And then when they come out, support them. Mm-hmm. Don't start naysaying them and and trying to make them explain it. Yeah. I'm curious what you would think, and then you probably, yeah, what would you think about experimentation? How do you figure out what your orientation is? Do you think people should try different things, or do you just, I don't know. I'm trying to trap you. (laughs) Trap me. (laughs) I'm never trapped. (laughs) Because I don't have to have all the answers. <laughs> well, I mean, because, yeah, there you go. Because um, evangelicals, it's like, 
you know, you wait for marriage to have sex. And so if you marry somebody that's asexual, <laughs> tough luck. Yeah, it is. But it's like, how does this trade person experiment? How Normal is it in people or evangelicals? <laughs> <laughs> well, both. Like, I mean, people will, like, in the evangelical circle before they get married, like, they'll decide they're straight. Or it's just a given that they're straight. I mean, like, why is it any different for someone on a different spectrum? Mm -hmm. um, where does your mind go? When you, who are you attracted to on the streets? Mm -hmm. Who are you attracted to at church? Yeah. <laughs> who are you attracted to? I mean, I think you'll know, right? Mm -hmm. Like, introspection again. Yeah. And then, like, who... Makes your body tangle, potentially, mm -hmm. who, if you're not asexual. Mm -hmm. um, like, if you have dreams about intimacy or mm -hmm. romance or sex, like, who is it? I mean, isn't that kind of how you know you're straight? Mm -hmm. So wouldn't that be just kind of how you know that you're LGBTQ? Like, which, where you fit in? Mm -hmm. um, and also, well, it also depends on your personal beliefs about marriage, like, sex before marriage or not or experimenting before marriage or not i mean there's different beliefs out there mm -hmm. so if you're not waiting for marriage well then you can try things out mm -hmm. <laughs> and that can help um figure out where you're at if you do wait for marriage or um already married i mean i think it's just introspection and yeah asking yourself questions and Ex I think also like exposing yourself to different, um, <laughs> not exposing, exposing yourself. yourself. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> what are you advocating? <laughs> That's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> Just open up your. Open up? Oh, seriously. <laughs> uh, you can join different Facebook groups. There you go. And That's gather. Knowledge, mm. unless you're Donald Trump, it's not legal. <laughs> <laughs> you can just gather knowledge, read, read books, read stories. I mean, I read this book called um, "This One's a Boy" j just so I could learn more from that perspective, mm -hmm. um, and it was super helpful. So I think there's a lot of other ways to figure things out. It, there's a lot of options. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, especially in this day and age, there's a lot of knowledge and. I mean, I'm, I've been really liking social media, just Twitter, just following a bunch of people and just kind of rolling with their daily lives and getting to know them. And you get to know their cat and you get to know their ideas on politics. And then you get to know some of them. They're, you know, sharing their, their journeys on, on gender and sexuality. And it's like, this is a real human being. It's not just a book. Yeah. So are you advocating getting rid of gender bathrooms and desegregating prisons, putting men and women together and having women in men's sports and conversion therapy for nine-year-olds. Is that what you're advocating, Jessica? <laughs> <laughs> yes and no. It depends. Not all those things. I think everything's more complicated than yeah. straight out like that. Uh, in a lot of places, I find bathrooms are no longer gendered anyway mm -hmm. they're individual bathrooms mm -hmm. which is a lot safer all around yeah and then it doesn't matter mm -hmm. um, and i think it should just move that direction honestly mm -hmm. um just having 
singular bathrooms. And yeah. Like, um, and then, I mean, for sports, like, I don't know. I don't know enough about how all that stuff works. And, mm-hmm. and prison, I mean, prison already has segregation, not just by gender. Like, mm. there's also different prisons for the level of crime and right. how safe or unsafe they are around other people and things like that. So you're not going to put a young 20-year-old in with a mass murderer male. Like, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. So uh, I think these things are complicated. Yeah. Um, I haven't given it a whole lot of thought. Pretty much just the bathroom issue mm-hmm. because that kind of blew up <laughs> yeah. a few years ago and I think that's a really easy fix so mm-hmm. I don't think that should be an issue that holds this up um, mm-hmm. and other things well we just have to figure it out Yeah, things have to be figured out and our society is changing and we need to change with it Yeah, we but do. it takes time Yeah, and this is um I mean, Christians are always jumping on like, oh, this is recent. This is being swept away with the times. And it is recent, as far as I know, to to think about sexual... For, it's recent for the Western world to think about sexuality in this way. A lot of other cultures have, have thought about gender as being more than just two and as being fluid for a very long time. And there's other religions and cultures that are like that. But for us, it's recent. I think part of why it's a big deal is that it's always been around except that it's been illegal. It's been illegal for a long time. And I mean, there's a lot of other rules that have been illegal in the past and are legal now that mm-hmm. are changing. Like, like even abortion. Um, if we outlaw it, what's going to happen? Girls, women will start throwing themselves down the stairs again to try and abort their baby. Mm-hmm. They will start, you know, like they'll hurt themselves. So these things have always happened. Mm-hmm. And they will continue to happen just in very illegal, in very unsafe ways. Yeah. And I think gay, lesbian, like before it, when it was illegal, then it just happened in very unsafe ways. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's true. It just was always there. Or there'd be marriages of convenience and then, you know, there would be other other outlets for... Yeah, for people's so it's always desires. happened. It's just that now it's out in the spotlight and it's time to move over and accommodate this part of our society. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that we've, what's happened is, with the, well, we've made it not, we've legalized it, obviously, but also we're getting a better vocabulary than perhaps we ever have before. Yeah. And we do have science that's able to help us with understanding what's going on. Yeah. Uh, in Francine, it was Francine, Francine Cho wrote the end of gender and she was saying that um there is actually a uh, biological link uh and um well anyways the research is complex but it's not just like there are biological things that are happening it's not just um not just in the head it's not yeah it's not just all in their head um and these things are like there are really complex questions yeah and conversations but i think again we tend to do black and white and say like oh well if you think if you think uh it's okay to get for gays to marry 
then I guess, you know, you believe all these things about all these other issues. But even within these communities, there's all sorts of these debates. For sure. I mean, we were talking earlier about um, just the two of us about trends and like we can affirm and support people that want to transition to the other gender. They really feel like they were born in the wrong gender. But at what age? Mm -hmm. And that is an issue that is not that is controversial even within the community. Yeah. Um, like you're not going to allow a four-year-old to go through the hormone therapy mm -hmm. so that and become the opposite gender i mean that you got to be realistic yeah um it's a huge transition mm -hmm. i mean it's called a transition like it, it's huge it's huge change so you have to be very healthy physically mentally to be able to handle that change you have to be really well surrounded so all those things do need to be con taken into consideration. So am I saying that someone should never, ever transition gender? No. But you do have to be careful. Mm -hmm. And people within the community also advocate for that. Mm -hmm. So it's not being against it. It's just wanting to the best for the people mm -hmm. that do it and that it be done the right way. Yeah. Um, and there are protocols in place already. Yeah, there actually are. And we yeah. don't hear about that when we hear against this. It's like, what? Anybody can transition anyone? Mm -hmm. No, no, no. There's a lot of protocols in place that have to take place and a lot of people that have to sign off on it mm -hmm. before they can transition. So don't be so worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just to wrap up, I think... I'm both done, what I want to say. Um, we often hear this statement, love the sinner, hate the sin, which was come up by Augustine, uh, who wrote in the 3rd century, or the 4th century, in the 300s. And Augustine, I, I just thought it was ironic, as I was thinking more about it, because Augustine actually thought that all sex was a sin, even for <laughs> married people. Wow. So when he said, love the sinner, hate the sin, probably was also meaning married people having sex. He would have thought that that would be something you need to confess to your priest. He's probably like asexual. Very gross. No. <laughs> no. He was extremely sexual. Oh. He wrote a lot about it. Oh. But he was extremely shamed and he hated, he had a very, very conflicted mm. relationship to his sexuality. He only, anyways, it's a long story. We know way, way too much about Augustine. Anyways, love the sinner, hate the sin. The, the point I want to make is that our views on sex have changed dramatically. And the only way that you can say, oh, they haven't changed, is if you have a short view of history. Right. Over the course of history, I mean, for a while, the Catholic Church thought that you had to be celibate to serve God. Now we've come around to fully embracing married sex in the Protestant Reformation. And maybe now it's time to look at some of these other questions about yeah. gender. Um, and not to be scared of it. Yeah. Embrace it. Learn from it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not so scary. Yeah. Well, this has been interesting. Um, stay tuned for more podcasts on this issue and others. Have a good night, everyone. Good night.